them for you Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show for our second hour. Joining us, Adarsh Meshri, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Okay, this is, we, we played a little Stones concert music uh, for the first hour. This is from an album called Sticky Fingers. It came out in 1971. Uh you know, the critics all have things they say about it, this and that. I think it was number two album in the of the year, things like that. It is, you know, at their core, to me, the Rolling Stones have always been sort of an English version of, a, of kind of a Mississippi blues band in a lot of ways with a little bit of a rock and roll thing to it but they're not they're not really rockers nothing like the way like led zeppelin or or the who they're just that's not what they are they are uh kind of country fact is um uh there's a uh, there's a song on an album of theirs called let it bleed which is sort of a country reprise of honky-tonk women it's called country honk they have the ability to sort of make fun of themselves. And uh, they always kind of have. And so this is not a song that you would probably ever hear them perform in a concert. It's it's not going to be the one where Mick Jagger gets on the cherry picker and is, string, and is hanging out over the crowd. But that shows to me a lot of the versatility of this band that's been around for so long that you can still listen to their music and really enjoy it um, in kind of a different way than you would, say, listen to the Beatles or the Kinks or the Who or Led Zeppelin. Way different. It's it's just, it's really almost what I would call Americana in some ways. I don't know. The thing I think is fascinating about, <clears throat> you think of Zeppelin, Rolling Stones, The Doors, um, compare that to the Beatles you know the Beatles those guys those guys could stand on their own and be highly successful I mean incredible talent right. songwriting ability the Stones they're good as a group yeah uh, that, that, uh, the same with the Doors yeah, it's just that Led Zeppelin it, it's it's neat how you know the the different band members complement I mean they're a good team but they're better as a group they're than, better as a group I than mean because Char or uh, Keith Richards did a solo album that I hear is just not good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 
And Rod Stewart, he took off and did his own thing. And uh, there's only so many of these guys. That's why they get paid so much. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) All right. Let's get to our story. Why investors went banana over AMC stock. Why are we talking about? (laughs) Okay. I know there's a reason. Now, this is the same AMC that went nuts during COVID. Is yeah, that correct? Yeah. yeah. So that's the movie theater. Yep. They did, they sold a bunch of stock or something when the price was extremely high, raised a bunch of money because they were able to sell the stock for nutty prices. And, but they're still just kind of hanging on the edge, right? I mean, it, they are. It's a business. Yeah. Uh, the, it was, is what you call it. A, they called it a meme stock. One of the meme stocks in 2021, I think it went up around 1200%. Uh, it's just an unbelievable. And then, then they sold. They they did an offering. It right, <laughs> and that's what this that's is just money into the bank. You know? And that's what this is talking about is the offering that they did. Um, they they overplayed their hand. AMC did because they asked uh, the shareholders, which at the time uh, they, they they call themselves the apes, um, and they owned about eighty percent of the outstanding shares at the time. Yeah. And when they did the the share offering, they rejected it. Um, and so what AMC did, they went around the shareholders and they're issuing preferreds and they're, you know, uh, tra- they're supposed to pay the dividend on those. They're, they're supposed to be equal cause they're convertible into the common stock. Um, yeah. the, who the, would have been stupid enough to buy the preferreds though? I a mean, lot of people. Really? Yes. Uh, cause the, the preferred shot up when they were issued and they've, you know, since come down, but <clears throat> The main point of this, the whole, I mean, you, you can't make this, this kind of thing. I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating story. Uh, it really is just, it's interesting how, how things have played out, but the, the big takeaway, so you've been like in there trading it the whole way, right? No, no, no I wish. Yeah. You're kind of talking, wish. You're, you're talking your hand, yeah, right? Yeah. No, I'm buying it now. No, I'm, yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, um, it's it's the craziness of the of of markets in the short term. Right. Um, in the long run, ultimately the fundamentals play out. But in the short run, things get nutty on the upside and the downside. Right. Um, and so the the big takeaway for this uh, the the idea of this situation is if if you if you play with that short term stuff, you might get lucky, you might make money. But ultimately, if the fundamentals aren't there. Don't buy something. Sure, um, it's interesting too. Uh, you look at what management, uh, their ownership of the stock, uh, their base. Uh, it's it's almost zero percent ownership. Oh, sure. Uh, for insiders now, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, they, they, they've they, been selling. In fact, yeah, they, yeah they, they've yeah. been selling into this, um, and so. Y- as an investor, you have to make sure that management of the company is aligned with shareholders. If you see them dumping their stock, there's probably a problem. Sure. Um, if you see them out there buying stock, which a couple of the the, the things in our portfolio, you know, they've they've gone down some, but you the fundamentals look intact, and you see management out there buying shares. That's what you want to see. So the ones that are down, those were the ones you picked, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to agree with me. No, we, I'll, we I'll know agree. That's not I'll true. agree. We know that's not true. And, 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 and that's why I'm agreeing because everybody, yeah, everybody exactly. else knows everybody it's, else not knows. it's not true. Um, but know, know what you own. Don't follow the herd. Um, go against the herd. 
Um, you know, look at what management's doing. Because uh, the AMC thing, it, it since day one when that thing started rallying, it's always been speculative. It's always been that fundamentally the company has problems. You know, the thing is, when was the Madoff thing? Uh, 2008. Yeah. Since then, I have ceased to be surprised at anything anybody does. And what the Madoff, there, there's been certain things that have happened along the way in my career that sort of were big wake-up things. One of them was Enron. That was in 99. That was where there was the ability to uh, fraudulently uh, do accounting. So you saw the stupidity of that. Then you, you look in uh, 0102, the fact that people would pay just about anything for certain kinds of stocks. Then you look in 0809, uh, where the AAA rating really wasn't a AAA rating. So now you've got, from Enron, you have the accounting profession, 0809. Now you got the rating agencies that <laughs> you screwed up. Uh, and then you had Bar Bernie Madoff. And what amazed me about Bernie Madoff was he wasn't taking money from mom-and-pop investors. The people that were invested with him were very wealthy people. These are people that were multi-hundred million heirs times over up to multi-billionaires. Mm -hmm. Those were the ones that, that he shook down. People that you would expect would have sophisticated uh, accountants, financial managers, family office people with CFAs, people that would be uh, able to do research. They would have access to people that knew something about compliance, about uh, how a, a, a brokerage, people that had Wall Street experience that could have seen, looked at the, the Madoff operation and known in 10 minutes that there was a problem. People with lots of money and lots of resources and they went down that path and put big money with Madoff. They even scrambled to get money with him. So now, you know, what I realize is that people will do lots of stupid things. And sometimes, you know, I almost think with super rich people, it's like they have this idea of easy come, easy go. You know, I got wealthy. Something happened in my favor. I became wealthy. If I lose money, I lose money, you know. They don't really fight the way Warren Buffett does to not screw up. So you get get a lot of people like that. Anybody that would have invested with Bernie Madoff probably would not have invested with Warren Buffett because they're not going to invest with somebody that actually is doing the work and the research to figure out what's what's a good deal. Yeah, when, when you think about, uh, you know, when these scams or these you know uh, events happen where people are fooled they they typically happen during bull markets 
uh, when there's uh, euphoria, when everyone's making money, when there's plenty of money around, um, and uh, it almost uh, blindsides people, um, where uh, psychologically people believe that nothing can go wrong. Uh, right. We saw the same phenomenon uh, last year when uh, some of these new recent IPOs, PACs, you know, went up 400, 500,000%. Uh, and subsequently went all the way down. Uh, we saw the same thing in 1999. We saw this in 2008 uh, with Bernie Madoff. Again, you know, it was uh, a time when, you know, the housing market was doing well. You know, the stock market in general was in an uptrend until, of course, we had the financial crisis. Uh, and also during Enron, it was a, a bull market in stocks. Tech stocks were going up significantly. Um so it's when times are good, when people start thinking that nothing can, can go wrong, that's when these things usually happen. So in the market, you always have to uh, be cautious uh, and you also always have to know that, uh, you know, um, be, be aware of how, you know, history keeps repeating itself and uh, never um, uh, lose sight of where your investments are. Well, uh, but, but a lot of people don't even know how to begin on that they just start out by saying well this is a guy that i trust they don't ask the right kind of questions and i'm not sure if you even told them the right questions to ask they would ask those questions because they don't really conceptualize how that fits into their portfolio the, the right. a lot of it they just don't understand about their money and they will ultimately be separated from it because of that problem so cue mike Ask lots of questions. What questions yeah. should a person ask their financial advisor or someone asking them to invest no, in a great. financial venture? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the first first big question, uh, ask if they're a fiduciary. Is the firm a fiduciary? And what that means is, will the firm is the firm obligated to put your interests ahead of their own? Um, and then take that question a step further. Um, ask, does the firm encourage additional fiduciary responsibilities from the employees, um, be it you know further designations, whatever it may be? You want to know that the firm is acting in your best interest, and everyone there is acting in your best interest. Um, so that's that's a biggie. First off, um, if it's a product that's being sold to you. Um, be leery, uh, look at why that product's being sold. If it's a commission based, a lot of annuities, uh, are sold because of a commission. Uh, so be aware, um, there's a lot of people out there that are willing to separate you from, from your money. Uh, so be, be aware of that. Right. And I'm sure there are more that you'll think of as the conversation progresses. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I mean, it, there's a million questions to ask, but, you know, what is what is that person's investment approach? Uh, are they uh, set up to work with retirees? Does that square with where you are in life? Are they investing just off-the-shelf kinds of portfolios? Do they put it all in target date funds? Or uh, there's there's a million different things to ask. You You have to be... You have to be aligned. You have to think 
in the same way as your advisor because uh, it needs to make sense to you. Your advisor needs to be able to explain to you what you own, why you own it, and in a way that you can understand it, um, not talking over you um, because a lot of times that just means the person doesn't understand it. If you can't understand it and they can't explain it in a way you understand, that person telling you might not understand it. Or they may not want you to know the whole story. Absolutely. That's right. Because it may not be in your best interest. Exactly. So ask as many questions as you need to ask to feel comfortable with what you own and know what you own. That okay. is probably the most important thing. Yeah. All right. Th- these two kind of go together. Uh, we got about five minutes. Um, if you're at least 10 years from retirement, consider a portfolio of 100% stocks. And is your retirement money in a target date fund as many as 25% of workers don't even know? I don't, I don't think that's as important. If it's in a target date fund, it's not in 100% stocks. So let's talk about the one that says that you might. You're saying 10 years out, and this is an article by a guy named Paul Merriman. It's in the, looks like the Wall Street Journal or something like that. Yeah, it's off market watch. Yeah, and uh, what, what's the thought there? Yeah, as, so the the old adage of as you get older, you naturally have more bonds, cash, um, not necessarily true. Um, it can be true uh, depending on your temperament, is specifically what your uh, goals are, what your needs are. So it, it can be true that, you, I mean, that bonds, cash serve a purpose in a portfolio. But when you're looking out long-term, where does the return come from? It does. If you're, if we're in, we have the inflation rate we have right now. Bond yields are well below that. You're not keeping up with inflation. Uh, bonds have gone down in price this year because of what interest rates have done. Um, Long term, the way you keep up with inflation is you invest in companies. Uh, historically, that's been the best way. And so, if you have a long term investment horizon. Um, a lot of times you don't need a bond component. Um, if you're, especially if you're contributing to an account, uh, your job, that contribution, uh, your income source, that's really your bond position. Uh, if you're putting in $500 a month or whatever it is to an account, that's kind of your bond position, your dollar cost averaging. Um, and so don't, adhere just to, to the old adages just because everybody says this is the way it's supposed to be. Um, make sure it fits with, with your situation. Um, Darcy, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think, you know, and, and you know, really before this, uh, initially, even when I was in school, the, the formula was that, you know, just subtract uh, hun- uh, your age from 100 and yeah. that's how much. And that doesn't make sense at all, especially given how long people live these days. But I think... One way to think about it is that if you are still working, then your paycheck itself is like a bond mm-hmm. where you have you know a fixed income coming in uh, every month. So uh, you don't necessarily have to get too conservative at that point and uh, you know put money in uh, uh, in bonds necessarily. Of course, every everyone's situation and risk tolerance levels are different. But I think it makes sense because over time, over a complete cycle, and this person says 10 years, yes, you know, you may pay a a higher price for stocks initially, but if you are in a well-diversified portfolio, then over time, 
especially if you're making uh, monthly contributions. Uh, over time, uh, you know, stocks uh, do uh, have a are not only a better inflation hedge, but they uh, are also uh, investments that increase their uh, earnings, unlike a bond. And if and if you're looking at income too, uh, if you need income. Um, you're not earning it with interest payments from bonds right now. Um, a lot of older, more mature companies, they pay dividends. A lot of these companies have raised dividends consistently for decades. Um, and so you have that half of the component. The other half is what the stock price does. Um, and markets go up and down. In down markets, that's where you can find good value sometimes. Markets go up and down, but good companies endure. Somebody kind of smart sitting next to me said that once upon a time. Yeah. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Adarsh Meshru and Mike Johnson. We'll be back in just a few minutes. If you want to hear more of the Tom Dupree Show, you can always go to DupreeFinancial.com. Stay tuned. Now you decided. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree. If you really study the news, you know there's a high degree of insanity afoot these days. This can also affect investment markets. In times like these, people are much more likely to believe a cynical view of markets and behaviors than in more normal times. There's nothing wrong with realism as long as it's tempered with a healthy dose of constructive optimism. This is only possible through faith, which is believing in something that's not yet apparent. And faith is how our country was built. At Dupree Financial Group, we do a great deal of research on the companies in which we invest, and we have faith in our research. We can review your current investment portfolio and advise you about how to properly invest for retirement. Call us now at 859-233-0400. Well, when you're sitting there in your silk upholster chair, talking to some rich
Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second oh, you half. You missed of- the part about making bets on Kentucky Derby Day. Well, you were. I mean, you jump in right at. Okay, well, go ahead. <laughs> we need to coordinate our signals. Yeah, we do. Because he's twirling fingers. I'm thinking he wants me to jump in. So, okay. welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second half of the second hour. Joining us at Darsh Meshru, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Okay, that's another song from Sticky Fingers by the Rolling Stones. And once again, it's unique. Uh, Their music just defies. Very versatile. I think in in their own way, they're as good as the Beatles, but I can't tell you. They're more as good as the Beatles, like as a band, than the Beatles are as the Beatles are as individuals kind of that's kind of the way I'd see it although it says that the Rolling Stones when they were very young the Beatles actually uh, were their kind of their cheering and wrote one of their songs called I Want to Be Your Man or something like 1962 so yeah the Beatles were just getting going I don't even know if they were called that yet they might have still been called the Quarry Men or some other group. Uh, anyway, all right. I want to talk about something. I'm going to do this for right at ten minutes. Um, there's another uh, investment group in the city of Lexington that goes by the same name. Uh, we are Dupree Financial Group. Theirs is uh, Dupree and Company and Dupree Mutual Funds. So. They have a set of uh, single-state mutual funds that uh, are geared towards investing in municipal bonds, which are tax-exempt, in various states. One of the states is Kentucky, and their mutual fund for Kentucky, the larger one, which is a longer-term fund in terms of duration and maturity, it's called the Dupree Kentucky Tax-Free Income Fund. Symbols KYTFX. Sits at around $7.14 today. Uh, I think the yield, if you purchased it today, would be 2.49%. However, uh, yield is a function of price uh, divided or uh, price divided into income. Income is measured in terms of dividends. Now, with this particular fund, and I'm looking at their dividend history, uh, the dividend has been declining, uh, and in in some cases fairly precipitously, uh, for (laughs) roughly the last uh, 45 years. The, the fund was founded in, uh, well, 43 years, in 1979. And uh, at that time, the dividend was $0.05 cents a share per month. Today, the dividend sits, uh, their August 31 dividend was uh, $0.1.53. Cents. That's a function of the fact that the bonds in their portfolio the higher yielding bonds over time have been maturing or being called, and um, 
they've been replaced by bonds that pay uh, less. Now, um, one of the things, let's see, the their overall uh, return over the last year has been about a negative 9%. Uh, they have had fairly decent returns over the years. But here's what's happened. Uh, the fund has now gotten to a place where because of so many of the higher-yielding bonds having been called or matured over the last um, 15 to 20 years, they've had to replace them with lower-yielding bonds. The dividend has come way down. The prices of the bonds that they own are significantly above par, and the way the portfolio is set up, it could be significantly impacted and indeed has been impacted by higher interest rates and lower bond prices. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the people that run it. Uh, this used to be, this fund was founded by my father. I was working there when it was founded. Today, there is nobody... Uh, from our family involved in the direct day-to-day -day management of the uh, mutual funds. It's still called Dupree, but it, 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 there is nobody that is a Dupree that's involved in management. Uh, there's really barely anybody with any long-term investment experience at that place. Uh, I think uh, the CEO has about 16 years of investment experience, having not been through a major bear market. Uh, the same can be said of their board of directors, their outside directors. Uh, typically, for a mutual fund or something like that, you want to have people that are their outside directors that are supposed to be keeping management honest as people – in the that have investment business expertise that have been in the bond business in this case that know how it works there you don't have any of those kind of people on their board so there's really nobody there that's been in the industry for long enough to have seen a major bear market and these folks are managing quite a bit of money um I have nothing, I have no involvement with that fund up there uh, and am not trying to really become involved. I offered to be uh, an outside director because we do have the same name and if they screw up, um, it's going to, It's it, the bottom line is it's going to reflect on me. And um, so I made the offer. It was, uh, it was turned down. Uh, I'm just looking at some key statistics. Uh, expense ratio, 56 basis points. So you're paying 0.56% to have your money managed in fairly innocuous municipal bonds. To me, that seems a little high. It's a no-load fund. There, there are no, uh, there are no uh, uh, sales costs. Over the last year... 
the 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 total assets under management right now are 842 million over the last year they have had outflows of 152 million dollars that's basically 15 to 16% of assets so when money is flowing out like that your flexibility becomes limited in terms of what you can do now, one of the things that we've noticed, I think a lot of people, if you're an investor in the, the pre-mutual funds, you may not even know what you own. You may just know you own it and it's tax-free. You may not know the fact that your dividend today is probably, I don't know, if you bought it uh, 10 years ago, your dividend is about 60% of what it was when you bought it. So it's like you bought a long-term bond whose coupon is dropping. It's also a very good chance that the, the share price is lower today than when you bought it. You're getting around 2.5% tax-free, but inflation is, depending upon who you believe, I don't know, anywhere from 7 to 9%. So inflation is way more than taking away from you what you're earning in this fund, even if it is tax-free. doesn't matter. Inflation's tax-free also. So if you earn 2%, you got inflation at 2%, doesn't matter if you get to keep all the 2% you earn, you're still at zero. It's the way it works. So uh, I said I would only go 10 minutes. I'm, I got another minute and 40 seconds. My question is, why would you continue to own shares in the Dupree Mutual Funds, Kentucky Tax-Free Income Fund, or any of their funds, knowing that your dividends have continued to drop, there really isn't anybody with significant experience that is managing it. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of how we do things as a contrast to knowing uh, something about uh, how your money can be managed differently. Yes, you might say, well, boy, it sounds like you've got um, sour grapes. Not at all. I have no sour grapes at all. I am simply stating the obvious. One thing that happens is people get confused. They think I'm part of them. They tell me we've got money with you all. And I look and no, they don't. They think we are Dupree Mutual Funds. I am simply telling you we're not, we're different, and I'm going to now tell you how we're different. Number one, we are not wedded to the Kentucky municipal bond market. We don't invest in municipal bonds in the state of Kentucky. And there's a reason. But the main reason is we don't think they're a good deal. Uh, interest uh, payment of uh, right now, you can get 35 to 4% tax-free on a municipal bond, but you got to go out 20 to 25 years. That's a lot of duration. And having to own the bond that length of time, given that inflation is well above 3.5%, knowing that you're really not making any money in the long term 
owning bonds. We don't own bonds and we don't want to own bonds at this price because we don't think they're a very good deal. 1981 bonds got to 15% on the long end. They were a hell of a deal. They really were, but they're not right now. That's what this fund owns is bonds. We don't want to own the fund or the bonds in the fund. Got no interest. What we try to do with our clients, and this is how we're different. So if you ever think, oh, you know, he's part of the bond company. <clears throat> no, we're not. We buy companies, stocks that have the ability to raise prices that have the ability to sell things at a price that keeps up with inflation, that have the ability to increase the value of their assets over time to offset what inflation is taking away from you in money, spending power, purchasing power. <clears throat> It's not there in bonds. Bonds are fixed income securities. You won't make any money in this market environment, or you will not increase your purchasing power. Guaranteed. It is an absolute guarantee you're not going to increase your purchasing power <clears throat> buying long-term municipal bonds here. So, Let's say you've owned this fund for many years and you never looked at it. You just said, oh, I own it. It's tax-free. It's got, you've lost purchasing power by owning it. Your share price is probably down from what you uh, started with and your dividend has diminished. You guys take it. Uh, tell me, tell them how we invest. So you're, you're talking about bonds. Uh, we have bonds in our portfolio but um, we are not a bond fund. And right. so what that means is we can use bonds, we can use a cash position to provide flexibility for... But we a, have bonds so that they'll be there for when we want to buy some stocks. Exactly. It's a better deal. Exactly. So that's the point. It's not, and, a, and, it's, it's not a long-term investment right. for us. And that's the flexibility. We had more bonds in the portfolio coming into this year short-term bonds that we're now able to use some of the bonds. And when I say bonds, short-term bonds and cash. Uh, and so now we're able to use that. We have been using that to buy, in our opinion, what are good companies, mostly dividend-paying companies at lower prices um, with the intention of raising the income, the current yield uh, to our clients, um, and hopefully price appreciation over time because remember these are companies um and so if it's a natural gas pipeline company um they 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 move natural gas um if we're able to get that with at what we believe is a reasonable price and they're able to expand their footprint or generate uh higher essentially lease rates uh for the gas that goes through there then that's a, in our opinion, that's a good deal. If they can raise the dividend because the business is expanding, in our mind, that's a good investment um, versus something that is fixed income, which when a, when a bond, when you have an interest payment, it is X dollars semi-annually. That's what you're getting paid regardless of what's going on. Um, and so you don't, 
bond, fixed income is exactly that fixed income. And with inflation, like you in, said, Tom. another way of looking at it is in a stock, in a company, what constitutes your principal, if you will, your share ownership is usually assets and earning streams that have the ability to increase mm-hmm. in a bond. What constitutes your principal is a promise to pay X amount of years down the road, and you will receive a fixed rate of interest from it during that time, no matter what inflation does. So you are in this market today, you are guaranteed to have a diminishment in your principal purchasing power over the life of the bond. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to buy something whose principal is going to be guaranteed to be lower when it matures? Well, the other big difference with us is we're not a mutual fund. We are not structured like a mutual fund. That's very important for our clients. When when, When you put money in a mutual fund, you own shares of that fund. Um, with our clients, let's say a client comes in today, you have your own cost basis in each of the stocks. We're going in and we're buying shares of company A, B, C, and D in your account. So you have your own cost basis. That's very important. First off, uh, it's more, you have more flexibility for tax purposes. Um, but then you're not impacted by redemptions, let's say. You know, if, if there's a large mutual fund with a lot of redemptions, you might have embedded tax consequences in that. You know, with bonds, you know, if a if a tax free bond is sold at a gain, that's taxable. Right. Um, the interest payments are not taxable. No. Uh, but price appreciation it that is, is taxable. Um, and so we are not a mutual fund. We invest in each of the our clients' accounts individually. Um, we like what we like, so our clients have similar accounts, similar portfolios, um, but we are not a mutual fund. That's a, a big, big difference. Yeah. Well, it's just a big – it's two different worlds, and we're not a part of that world. So I want to state it in as simple a terms as I can. We are not Dupree Mutual Funds. We're not a part of Dupree Mutual Funds. We're not trying to become a part of Dupree Mutual Funds. We have a separate business plan and procedure. The way we invest is different. We think it's better. Of course, we're going to think it because that's what we do. And uh, we just think that if you are a shareholder in those funds, you should sit down and really examine what kind of returns have you had, not only overall, look at your dividends and see what they've done, and look at inflation, where are you after inflation over time? So, I'm guessing that you want me to start some music? There we go. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with the Darsh Ministry. Mike Johnson and Tom Dupree, if you have any comments or questions about this show, you can email Tom at tdupree at dupreefinancial.com. We'd also love to take a look at your portfolio. 
you can give us a call at 859-233-0400. We offer complimentary portfolio reviews. Never hurts to have another set of eyes. Take a look at what you've got. And if you don't know what you own, we'll help you learn what you own. We appreciate you listening this week. We'll be back in just a few minutes with the third hour. You'll want to stay tuned.